Well, for those of you who uh, did not think it could happen, it is happening. We are going to move on in uh, Galatians chapter 5. And not only that, um, we're not going to cover just one verse. We're going to cover two verses tonight. Um, somebody accused me of showing off, um, but we'll, we'll cover verses uh, uh, 2 and 3, and I'll read it in just a second. But... Uh, in terms of announcements, uh, Gigi um, will um, conclude this Saturday. Uh, if you're interested, the subject will be cults. Um, uh, there's a there's about four that I'd like to cover. I don't know how um, how successful I will be. Uh, um, so uh, there's. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam, and Hinduism. Those are the four we'll try to cover, maybe address a couple more. Who knows? We'll, we'll try to work it out in two hours this Saturday, 10 o'clock. Hope to see you there. Now, um, I'm going to read you the first three verses of um, Galatians 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You know, um, uh, I may be reading too much, and I don't think I am, but um, uh, verse 2 opens up with an apostle who is incensed. Look! I, Paul! I mean, he's calling upon his own um, uh, apostolic clout to try and convince them, um, but he's, he's certainly perturbed at the things that he sees going on in, a, in the Galatian church. Um, the Galatian church, I think you know, is a bunch of Gentiles, a bunch of uncircumcised Gentiles, and they're messing around with some things. Um, so he gets uh, pretty exercised in, in, um, in trying to um, explain to them the importance of what it is that they think they're doing. And he, and he starts out with this, um, now look here, I, Paul, want to say to you, uh, because um, he's the one, of course, that they first heard the gospel from, and, and of course, they had a certain respect for him. But anyway, he's incensed. Um, these Galatians may have thought that requiring circumcision was no big deal. It's just a minor surgical uh, procedure. Uh, it's not just, you know, it's a, it's a one small ritual. And Paul says, that ain't right. No. Um, the motive behind this is the thing that makes it so, so wicked. The motive of self-salvation, ladies and gentlemen, uh, circumcision became a whole lot more than a ritual, um, uh, a, a piece of ritual. 
it became a theological position, ladies and gentlemen. And, and that theological position is mentioned in the book of Acts. You remember that, that great um, uh, council that was called as a result? And, and um, Acts 15 opens this way. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. They say it again in the, in, in the, in the text. But some believers who um, uh, belonged to the party of the Pharisees wrote up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. So whereas the Galatians might have thought, this is no big deal. Paul sees it as a huge deal. Um, and he insists that Moses must never be allowed to finish a work that Christ began and finished himself. Um, what, they were, what they were doing is um, teaching that, uh, that salvation was to be in, uh, attained by obedience to Mosaic law. You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's not only Judaism that believes that these days. There may be some of you in this room that believe such a thing. It is, um, it is, a, it is an easy trap in which to fall, into which you might fall. Um, but he answers in some pretty stark terms, and he gives them two consequences of their position in these two verses. Um, the first consequence, that is, um, uh, he, he teaches that if they require obedience um, to one part of the, or any part of the Mosaic law, then first of all, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If you add to what Christ has done, you ultimately subtract from what Christ has done. If you try to tamper with that in any way, he will be of no benefit to you to require obedience um, to the Mosaic law for justification. Not only will he be of no value to you, but notice down in verse 3, that means you are obligating yourself to a life of perfection, to the whole law. That's the consequences of adding anything to the finished work of Christ. Um, if, you, if you do it, then you, uh, you're obligating yourself to live perfectly, which... I think we all know in this room, and I think his, his readers did too. That's impossible. But ladies and gentlemen, um, this theological position is alive and well in the 21st century. And oh, I hope it's not alive and well in here. To require anything... Anything. In this instance, it's circumcision. But to require anything um, is to lose, or, or to add anything to the finished work of Christ is to lose the benefits of Christ's suffering and death. Do you understand that? 
those of you who are still confused about the role that baptism plays, let me just point it out to you. To add anything to the, to the finished work of Christ is to lose all of the benefits of Christ's accomplished work. Gang, these two verses are an indictment upon the whole Roman Catholic position that teaches very boldly, very, very consistently that a man is saved via faith in Christ plus Added human effort, added human works, however you want to say it. You know, guys, if you can, if you can really earn your, your status before God with, um, um, by, your, by your obedience, why did Christ, why was he born at all? I mean, did he come to be your helper? It's because you certainly can't call him the Savior because ultimately he helped you. But finally, you are the one that uh, performed in such a way that now you can be considered someone worthy of being um, uh, made into a child of God. Oh, my friends. If you add anything, anything, then you, um, you have lost the benefits of Christ. I will say this, guys. You notice that he does not condemn circumcision itself. He does not condemn uh, sacraments. Uh, in fact, um, earlier in the book of um, uh, Acts, I think it's in, in chapter 16, you know, there is, um, there is a place where he's taking Timothy with him into the synagogues and he circumcises him before he does. Why does he do that then? Is there some kind of internal inconsistency within the Apostle Paul? No, ladies and gentlemen. The sacraments are wonderful. They're means of grace. As long as you do not try to find some kind of righteousness within them. That is, if I get them, then I'm somehow, I've somehow completed the work that Christ started. It's a slippery slope, ladies and gentlemen. And not only is it an indictment on the Roman Catholic Church, it's an indictment on the Church of Christ in some places. I think the Church of Christ has seen the, the error of her ways, at least in some places. Um, but um, uh, typically, the Church of Christ has always stated that you must receive Christ and be baptized. Gang, do you understand that this is the same thing. If you add something in there, you lose the benefits of Christ and you're committing yourself, you're obligating yourself to live perfectly. There's your consequences. Um, good works are good. But never try to pin your hopes of redemption or try to make them into some kind of righteousness that they are not. Um, gang, um, 
Baptism is a good thing, and I hope you've all been baptized. But if you attach, if you pin some kind of hope on your human accomplishment, I've got two messages for you. First of all, you have lost every benefit that Christ has purchased. And secondly, you are obligating yourself to keep the whole law. All of it. All 613 Mosaic laws, they're all yours. Um, In these two verses, there are two things that he's teaching. Circumcision, which because it stood for a position, a position that says I've got to do this if I'm ultimately going to be saved. Circumcision renders Christ unprofitable to you. And it obligates you to keep the whole law. And the harder you try to keep the whole law, the more worried you you get, especially at death. Because you're wondering, did I do enough? Did I keep all 613? Um, Gang, to... um, To choose circumcision is to choose a legalism, a commitment. You're making a commitment to obey all of the Mosaic law. Um, Gang, you remember I made a big deal out of uh, up in verse 1 about the yoke of slavery, and and I likened it to an oxen. I mean, because a yoke goes on an oxen, an ox. And you put two in there, you get oxen. And, um, I, and I made a big deal out of that. This whole idea of the poor oxen just sludging, you know, trudging along. And then when you finally squeezed out every piece of usefulness that you can get out of the oxen, you slaughter it. That's, that's, that's what you're committing yourself to. Putting this thing around your neck and you just keep on slugging it out, ladies and gentlemen. And when you, when you get to be my age, then you start wondering, I mean, have I done it all? Have I done enough? Did I do it right? Did I do it correctly? Um, I mean, I, I did. I did. Um, I did everything they told me at my church, but I'm not sure I did it enough. I, I, you know, I don't know that uh, my, I mean, my heart was right when I was doing it. You know, on and on and on. Um, gang, what, what I want to do uh, for with the rest of my time with you is that I want to look at this whole idea of. Perfection. Um, because if you, if you tack that on to the gospel, you're committing yourself to that. So let's look at what you're committing yourself to. Okay? Um, and might it crush you? I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope it crushes you. Because then you'll see, this is, this is insane what I'm doing. And that's what I want you to see. That... Because you've chosen this path, Christ is of no benefit to you, and, and you've committed yourself to obey perfectly. So let's talk about this perfection thing, living perfectly. I'll tell you what let's do. Just to, just to make it as, you know, I hope as clear and as simple as I can possibly make it, let's just forget the Ten Commandments. Just forget them. Ah, we don't need the Ten Commandments. 
We're not, we're not even going to go there, all right? But here's where you are going to go. This statement, is, that, this statement is found in Philippians 2, verse 14. Okay, you don't need to, well, you can if you want to. <coughs> Philippians 2, 14. It says this. Okay, just forget the Ten Commandments. But here's something that you've committed yourself to. Okay, it says, do everything without complaining. Um, you know, um, well, actually, I left out a better word. It says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Okay, just forget the Ten Commandments, ladies and gentlemen. Forget them. You know, you, know, you don't even need that. Let's just take that one. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever grumbled, if you ever complained, you just uh, missed perfection. <clears throat> I, was, I was working out today. And there was this kid in there working out too. And, and if he's 25, uh, I would be surprised. He's probably around 21. He's a tall kid. Um, but I mean, he's, a, he's an adult male. And um, he had this, I mean, I've seen him in there before. Um, I mean, it's my other life. Um, but he had this very drastic limp. You know, had a big old brace in his shoe. I mean, all the way down in his, I guess, underneath his, um, his foot. And he had one arm that was non-functional. It was hanging at his side, and he couldn't use that one arm. And, um, and, and I don't know what happened to him. I don't know whether it was a birth defect or um, a stroke or um, 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 maybe it was a car accident. I, I don't know what it was. But the young man is, is really, I mean, it's kind of courageous to, to see him in there working out, you know. And somebody walked by him and they said, um, I don't know the kid's name, but he said, how you doing? And he said, um, well, can't complain. And I was just, you know, in the machine right next to him and I, I, I thought, you can't complain? Well, I can. I mean, I don't have the limp, and I don't have that thing in my shoe, and I don't have a limp arm, but I can sure complain. Oh, I'm a great complainer. Oh, if you ever heard me complain, I complain all the time. I'm 69 years old, and my body's breaking down, and I grumble about it. You ask my wife. <laughs> I'm a good complainer. And by the way, I'm sure he, <clears throat> he probably used that as um, just a, you know, one of those casual, I'm fine, but I, but I thought, well, I can't complain. No! Not if you accept this theological position. Don't you dare! Do everything without grumbling or complaining. And the first time you complain, you're ruined. See, ladies and gentlemen, 
you adopt this theological position. And Paul says you're committing yourself to perfection. And you don't even need the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments? I can't do that! I heard somebody say this one time. I thought it was such a good illustration. He said, forget the Ten Commandments. Just forget the Ten Commandments. Who needs the Ten Commandments? But here's, let, imagine this. Let's imagine that we could take a, a tape recorder, a tape recorder and hang it around our necks, and uh, we could live, you know, throughout our childhood and adult life with this tape recorder taping everything we said. And the only standards to which we are going to be held are the standards that are on that tape recorder that use the word should have or ought. You know, well, I I ought to go to that funeral. I, you know, I should have, I should have picked up that hitchhiker. That's the only thing, ladies and gentlemen. Forget the Ten Commandments. Who needs that? I'm just going to be judged by the should-haves and the oughts that come out of my own mouth. I don't even live up to my own standards. Much less these. But that's what you're committing yourself to. If you are sitting here, or if you've ever said, you've got to be baptized to be saved. i got bad news for you. I heard you grumble once. And that did you in. You're ruined because you committed yourself to perfection. Hmm. And the, uh, the only standards that I'm uh, concerned about are the ones that I've articulated myself. I should have an hour. But that's what you've done. According to the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verse 3, you're obligating yourself to keep the whole thing. Now, one more as we look at this perfection thing. Again, forget the Ten Commandments. I mean, who needs Ten Commandments? You don't need Ten Commandments. No, 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 no. Um, I'd like for you to look at this one. It's found several places in the New Testament, but one place is Luke chapter 10. So see if you can find that on your phone. Um, In between Facebook and Twitter. Um, This is uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus is speaking. And he says, well, actually, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Um, He's not speaking. He asked this of um, a lawyer that stood up and was questioning him, but he does say that the lawyer's correct. Okay, now, that's it. Um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Now, just, just stop right there. Uh, you know what this is called? This is called the Great Commandment. Um, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your might. Okay. If you want to adopt this position, the Roman Catholic position, you want to add baptism to the, to the finished work of Christ, you're in the same position as the ones that Paul is describing in Galatians 5. You're obligating yourself to do this. This is the great commandment. We don't need to, we don't need to go to the Old Testament. We don't need to go to Exodus 20. Oh, no, we don't need that. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And with a, moments of hon- with a moment of honesty, ladies and gentlemen, I think you'd all agree, you hadn't done that for 30 seconds in your life. None of us have done this for 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay, if that's the great commandment, and I haven't done it for 30 seconds in my entire life, what does that make me? Huh. That makes me the great transgressor. But that's what you committed yourself to. If you hold on to this foolishness, that you've got to do this to be saved, or do that to be saved. Now, that's bad enough. But there's another line to this. And love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> you know, um, when I was doing my doctoral work, um, I was in this class with R.C. Sproul, and, um, and, and I forget what the class was, actually, but um, we, we would have to go up there two weeks uh, twice a year, we had, in January and July, went up there two weeks and took classes for those four weeks. And um, while we were there, that's when that's when we really developed a friendship between. It was Chuck Green, my buddy Chuck Green, and me, and and it was RC and his wife Vesta, and we were together every night. I mean, we would go out. I guess I've told you that before, but anyway, we're in class, and um, and I um, I was kind of feeling my. Uh, my relational oats, because, you know, we just had gone to Swenson's the night before and had hot fudge Sunday, you know. So um, I, I'm just, uh, this is in Jackson, Mississippi, and, and I, uh, you know, so we're, we're just kind of, he's, he's teaching the class and kind of roaming around, and, um, and, and something about marriage came up. And, and I, I said, um, I said something like, well, you know, just the pompous, arrogant jackass that I am. Uh, I said something about, you know, loving my wife as, as Christ loved the church. And he came over to my desk, and he pounded on my desk, and he said, that's foolishness. She meets your needs. Now, he's not saying that the admonition to us husbands to love Christ, our wives like is foolishness. He was just saying it was foolishness that I claimed I did it. And he said, she meets your needs. You know what? Every one of you in here who is a spouse, that happens. That's true, you know. You think you love her like that? You think you did love him? Like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, there, there's some real need meeting getting going on. 
I don't love Susie Young selflessly. But I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to love my neighbor even selflessly. But I don't. But that's what you committed to. That's what you're committed to if you tack on something to this gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Gang, this whole conversation about baptism that you think is just a small little... Con- no, it's not! Because to add to Christ is, is to subtract from Christ. Don't try to add anything to his finished work. Because first of all, number one, you lose all the benefits of Christ. Number two, it's right here in your text, guys. I'm not making this up. He says, um, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. We didn't even go to the law. We went to a text in Philippians 2. We looked at the great commandment. And that's, that's enough. That should be enough to slay us. Because what it's supposed to do is, is convince you. That there is nothing in my hand I bring. But simply to his cross do I cling. Gang, it's it's just like the devil to convince us of something this foolish. That somewhere back, somewhere in my past, I wanted to make a contribution to my ultimate spiritual well-being. So I went out and I did something and I felt better about it after that. I feel I'm all right now because I contributed. Let me tell you what you contributed. Your sin. That's all we brought. And it's great. Um, here's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Here's the gospel. Rest in Christ. Stop all that striving stuff. Stop all that foolishness that you're going to contribute something to his completed work. Rest in Christ. Doesn't that sound nice? Because if you are so benighted as to think that somehow you have contributed, your condition is far worse than you think.
Our Father, um, I do pray that you'll use these two texts to remind us of the, the, um, the seriousness of maintaining a simple, pure, clean gospel. A gospel that promotes or celebrates or placards the finished work of Christ and that only. And then doesn't tack anything onto the back or anything onto the end. It doesn't um, add anything. It simply tells men and women that um, there there is forgiveness to be found in clinging to the finished and accomplished work of Jesus Christ on behalf of sinners. And so when I, when I get to the point where my death is sure, um, I won't have to be wondering about whether I did it right or did enough or did it correctly because... Um, The only one that did keep all of these statutes and kept them perfectly is the Lamb of God, the one who uh, takes away the sins of the world and our sin. So, Father, would you allow your people to find once again their rest in the perfect completed, accomplished work of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the privilege that I have to preach it, and I pray that um, it it is the, the joy of each soul here to embrace it. Might no man or woman leave this room wondering if their baptism was done correctly. Might they find themselves fleeing all over again to Christ and what he's accomplished on our behalf. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.